Yes. Hear that? Yeah, I'm back in the city. I'm back in New York. Walking on the street. Decided I'm going to try to do the intro on the street. Uh, Trying to knock this out um, right after the interview. Just saw a pizza guy light a cigarette and ride his bike. Now you like smoke a cigarette and <laughs> ride your bike. Why would you do that? But hey, it's a big city. A lot of different kinds of people do a lot of different kinds of stuff. Uh, well, we have a special, super special episode. Let me try to cop a squat, find a spot. Right quick. Thought I'd walk down a quiet street, but I'm kind of like in midtown Manhattan. And uh, you can't just find those things very easily. But you're listening to my weekly podcast, The Houseless. Welcome back. Welcome back. Here we are once again. What a special week uh, we have. (laughs) And what a great guest uh, just had on the show. James Pants, my man, a.k.a. James Singleton. You know him as James Pants from his several albums, uh, singles, and 45s he put out on the Stone's Throw imprint. I thought this would be a good companion piece to the Dame Funk episode. And uh, I want to thank everybody for checking that one out. That so far has been our highest listened to episode. So extra special thanks to Dame for taking time to do it. I figured I wanted to find a, a great follow-up to that. And I think this one is a proper combo to follow Dame because James and and Damon kind of got associated and and and, and uh, put releases out on Stone Throw in a kind of similar time frame. James put out a couple records before Dame did, but some of seminal tours and uh, it was all in this kind of 2007, eight, nine period of time in that in that label's history. We talk about that stuff. We talked about a lot, a lot of things, um, and we did the interview at his job. He just got out of work when we did the talk, and it was actually quite interesting. Right then and there, uh, in the Bloomberg Building, uh, which was like a whole trip in itself, it was like being in the Situation Room at Ground, you know, one hundred. It was just like this. I'd never seen anything like it. Now, I've never been in inside a CNN headquarters or, uh, you know, any major, major news outlet. I've always worked in the music journalism side of things, and I've worked at some newspapers in my college days. And I didn't realize that James, too, was a journalism graduate as myself. So we kind of share that in common. We didn't really get into all that, but uh, but being up at Bloomberg was like, Golly, it, it, it was very interesting um, and, and pretty exciting, exhilarating almost. So we, we kind of, to set the tone, we were in like uh, in one of many different kind of conference rooms that they had there. And it was, um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty interesting. It got people straight up just mean mugging me on the street right now. It's hilarious. Well, anyway, I'm, I, I just left uh, fr- from, from James's thing in our conversation that we're going to get into momentarily within a matter of moments. Um, I went to the um, UCB in Chelsea on the west side uh, to see this uh, Take It Personal. I think that's what it's called, the uh, hip-hop improv thing with Cypher Sounds. I thought I'd give it a try. I kind of uh, um, 
bought tickets a while ago. I was just like, let me just run up in here and check it out. It was uh, uh, improv comedy with Black Thought happened to be there. Did not know that when I bought the ticket. Just want to roll in there solo, peep it out. It was actually really fun. I'm, I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy. I go to comedy shows. I've been going for a long time. I love comedic writing and all that. So, yeah, it was definitely cool. I definitely recommend it. It's in New York. I think they do with the other UCB, um, Upright Citizen Brigade, in um, the East Village every Friday. So uh, I would recommend hitting that up. And, um, yeah, L- let me pay a couple of dues real quick with uh, the house list. This is my weekly podcast. My name is Peter Agas, and I am your host and the producer of this show. I'm going off book here. I don't have any notes, but um, each and every show is edited and engineered by my man, CJ Stewart, doing his thing. Happy belated birthday. It was this week. And uh, you can find us on iTunes. I urge you to subscribe. Uh, it's also on SoundCloud, the Stitcher app, Google Play. So please check us on any of those. Um, I know some people only listen on Stitcher. Some people only listen on SoundCloud. So if you listen on SoundCloud retweet it repost it rather or subscribe uh whichever format you know you you let me know if there's a different kind of format that you if you're if you're your first time listener or if you're just getting hip to it let me know what you think how if i should uh, have it available on another platform let me know hit me hit me up at uh on twitter at houseless pod houseless pod at twitter subscribe over there if you want to get some more updates and all that let me know let me know what's up but with James Pants, um, getting back to that, so he has a tour. He hasn't played in a while. Uh, he's been moving around. He lived in Europe for a while in Germany, and we talk about that. He has a tour. He's got a tour in Australia in April. And at the end of the show, at the, in, at the outro of the show, I'm going to talk about the tour dates and um, list them all out to you. But for any listeners that are in Australia that are checking this out one thank you it's extremely appreciated and two i'm gonna uh, uh, tell you about the specific tour dates cities and venues in the outro of this episode so make sure you tune in till that uh portion of the show of the house list he is playing in new york city on april 8th in brooklyn new york at sunnyvale the lofty 305 myself little jabba so if you're in the brooklyn part of new york state in new york city come to sunnyvale and you can check out james pants who hasn't performed live in new york in quite a while uh as well as lofty 305 my homie from miami who's coming up for the show and i'll give you more information about that in the outro too when i find safe haven you can look at some of this stuff so I want to experiment and try to do this whole intro wandering the streets of Midtown Manhattan without uh, missing a step whatsoever. I think I'm doing all right. So without further ado, though, uh, here is my conversation with the one and only James Pants, my man. We had a great talk. Check it out. Uh, we, we talked about his life. We talked about, you know, bouncing around after some of his albums, living in Germany working for Red Bull, and then coming back to New York and working for the Bloomberg News Company. But more importantly, we just talked about music, 
uh, where he's at musically. He's at an interesting point of evolution to having uh, dropped a bunch of m- music and now kind of coming to terms with, with those records and, and where he's at with it and where he's going. So I hope you guys dig it. Yet another episode of The House List. We're going to keep it going by hook or crook. And I appreciate you guys listening. All right, man. Check it out. So obviously we walked through, you know, the situation room. Uh, and uh, it was pretty mind-blowing because I've never been here before. And uh, But this is, a, this is a gig you've been doing for a little while, right? Like a couple of years? Uh, no, I've been... So yeah, I'm working at Bloomberg. This at Bloomberg News. Situation room, yeah. Uh, and I've been here just shy of a year now. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I moved here. I moved back to the U.S. almost a year ago. So when we met, we met like for drinks and dinner, like when you were still yeah crashing in the German, the Red Bull apartment or something. I was yeah, I was, I was like subletting from a friend right. and just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm back though, and uh, yeah, so it's been like eleven months. So what is it? Tell me what you you know. Obviously, people know the your music material right and uh of course i want to talk about that as much as we can we're obviously like uh you know uh you've been doing so many other things so it'd be interesting to talk about like where you're at with uh just life in general Mm. um before we really jump into the music shit so so uh coming in here i didn't realize this was the whole building until like we were kind of you know a couple floors in right so where what's your department like where do you what's your focus here so I make uh, I make websites essentially, right? Um, not like the Bloomberg.com website, obviously, but uh, I do it mostly for like um, features, like uh, long form journalism, right? So when uh, you know, I have, there's like a me and one other woman essentially. When you know, some editor says, "Hey, we got this really crazy story," but it would be lame if we just did it on like a template or whatever let's make something from scratch so right. we just do 100 percent custom you know body work detail for stuff. like a news piece for like yeah it could be a news piece it could be like something that's tied into a, like a package of stories about technology or right. something like this so it's a lot of it's just kind of the more front lines of we, i mean we get to do a lot of crazy stuff like a lot of times i'm surprised we get paid for it you know is there any music is there any kind of music pop culture stuff that you can put your hands on up in here does that even is there even anyone that covers uh the arts or anything like that or i mean there it's not you know i honestly i don't i really like it here because it's like uh, the topics are like super varied. I was like a journalism major before I was doing music. Okay, cool. I didn't realize and, that. Uh, so I've always been like a junkie for just like, you know, reading other people's articles. Right. And you got your AP style book <laughs> by your side. Yeah. I mean, I never, strangely, I've never used my journalism degree, but I mean, it's a lot of stories and they all have a financial angle to them. Right. I don't mean like, you know, the Dow Jones or what the company's doing uh, in terms of like how they're doing on the, you know, in, uh, on the stock exchange. Uh, I mean, they do report that stuff as well. But this would be like, you know, um, it's it's just, they're more like human interest stories, I think. Right. Like they have like some, either someone got successful or they lost it all or there was like some horrendous murder and fraud. Yeah, fi- or, finance, um, like yeah. 
Would the Economist be something along those lines? Well, that's really more like the stock market. Yeah, the Economist is probably a little more less drama. I think we get to do a little more dramatic stuff. Oh, okay. Um, Human stories. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, a lot of that. So it could be, you know, like one of the, you know, Camper Van Beethoven, that band, like their struggle with Spotify, or uh, it could be, you know, um, trying to think like. We've had a number of music pieces, but none of them are like directly, you know, this is a, let's talk about songwriting or anything like that. Well, when we walked by, we saw Charlie Rose's spot. Yeah. Now that's totally unrelated to what you're, to Bloomberg, right? Or he has his own show on Bloomberg Network. Yeah, he films it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's like a million different facets to Bloomberg and I'm only like a tiny little you know peg in this system I don't I've never even been up you know it's like 29 floors I've never really I've been to the top to like show some you know show off the view but that's yeah it's like some it's like some being John Malkovich type shit up in here yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, but um yeah, because I mean, on, and for a while people knew of you f- as working at Red Bull too, right? Which is like that was you know very music oriented. That was really music oriented. I mean, essentially the the whole the whole arc is I had uh, my wife and I had a baby like two thousand nine when you were in ten. you were living in Germany. No, before, we, uh, and I was like touring at that point, right? Mostly in Europe, not as much in the U.S. Um, but I was just gone a lot, and it was, like, kind of hard. It was a hard situation to, like, have a, you know, bring a child into this, uh, the music life. So at a certain point, you know, I was like, you know what, damn it, I gotta get, a, like, a normal job and, like, still mm. somehow find a way to do music, but, but like, you know, have, like, some type of stability and less travel. Yeah, that's the ultimate uh, quandary. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it was it was a tough decision. It took me a long time to like. But did it? Did you seek it out? I mean, like finding that those kind of jobs aren't really particularly easy to find. I mean, they don't fall in your right. Lap. Well, I just hit it off with like you know the, the founders of, of the Wolf. Red Bull, Wolf, yeah, and Torsten, um, who's like kind of one of the crazy Germans behind the whole system. Um, yeah, I'd done a couple of, like, little gigs for them, like, you know, help out in the studio, did that in London, spoke at it a couple times, played some shows for them, and I really just, like, hit them up, like, out of necessity at, at first, I was, I was, like, you know, we were thinking about where, where, I was, like, looking at jobs like Ernst and Young, you know, like some accounting oh. or whatever, and I wrote these, I wrote Red Bull, because they always paid, like, really good. You know, really yeah, well. they're great for for shows. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm not very fair. I'm not going to be. Yeah, they're they're more than fair sometimes. Um, so I just wrote and I said, hey, if you guys have any shows, you know that that you know, I just like you know, consider me if you have any shows. Sure. Basically, just that was it. And uh, and and this guy Torsten literally just kind of wrote back, um, pretty unexpectedly, just said like, well, you know, how do you what do you feel about like a desk job? Hmm. I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. So uh, we did it. But we, I mean, uh, did they notify you at what point that you would be, you'd have to move to Germany to do that? Well, I did like a trial run. Yeah, they told me. I mean, they, they would be in Germany. This was like before they'd really grown. So now they have a New York office. And That's London, right. And at the time, it was only in Cologne, Germany. Right. So for people that aren't maybe aren't like totally hip. To what we're talking about too. I mean, it's Red Bull Music Academy is right. what you're what you're referring to. Like, yeah. I'm sure you've had to describe this to friends and family members over the year while while working there. But like, how would you 
break that down like as far as what the company was when you were working there knowing it has evolved a lot since yeah. since in the last five ten years so what 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 you know compared to it has a lot of facets too so what yeah how do you identify with it now that you worked there for a while too man that's really hard it's really like a evolving thing but but uh, even at the time that you were at, there, at the time, yeah, at the time, I mean, I got hired with no job description really, so it was like oh. that much. It was totally in flux. Like yeah, they were growing a lot. It, it's essentially just like a, you know, I guess a content marketing initiative of Red Bull. I mean, it's like they're not making any money off of that. They're losing money on Red Bull Music Academy. Right. But it's essentially like you know, just like let's put on meaningful shows with like cool people that are actually. You know, it's not like let's get System of the Down to headline like the Warped Tour or whatever. It's something like that. It's you know, it's like let's get some underground house dude and play this rinky, dingy club with like twenty people and like that's a show. You know, uh, and I think you know Red Bull gets gets some like street level street cred. Yeah, you know, as a like brand, and that's happening. a good exercise. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. It kind of evolved into like an online magazine as well, films. Right. Um, Were yeah. you there during the inception of a lot of that stuff? Uh, during a lot of it, yeah, yeah, I was. Um, and you know, and, and and they've always had. Aside from the events too, there's like this actual annual academy where they have all these people give lectures, and um, of course, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. So um, you lived in Cologne. You were living in Cologne, right? Yeah, yeah. How many? Five and a half. Five and a half years or so. Did you know how to speak German? Nine. Uh, no. How do you get ar- how do you get around in a town in the city like that too? Is there that many English speaking folks outside? I'm talking about outside of work. Right. Yeah, there is. It's. Um, oh. It's. Uh, okay. It's, Germany's tough. It's really tough. Like there's a you know a lot of uh, Americans and Brits you know move there and like the the cliche is that they never learn German and when I moved there i was like no no no, hell no i'm not gonna be this guy and uh five five years later it's (laughs) like you know god dang it like uh, you know you go to like the supermarket Reva, and uh you know they 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 ring you up and they're like you know they're like whatever it's like and then you're like what's that how much is that 22 22 bucks but then then they'll you know you hand them like a thing and they'll just hear you talking and they'll say oh yes excuse me uh it's a 22 you're like yeah yeah i know i mean you know, yeah, if you're not American. fast on the draw, they're just like right. they, re- they you know they call you out. The, the funny thing is like the the actual government, like the governmental agencies that you have to deal with to live there and have the visa, they speak not a word of English. Right. So that's always like the trickiest moment. You have to like bring somebody along. But I got you know my wife learned uh, German pretty well. I I was playing a lot of shows on the weekends and working in English during the week, and I never really watched TV so. You know, I, I got really good at, like, ordering at a restaurant. I got good at, like, the common... So you just had lots of trees sh- and that's about it. Yeah. Um, it's really embarrassing, though. It's like, if I had yeah. to do it all over again, it's like, I would definitely, like, just take six months and do nothing but learn the language. But, I mean, that must have been, like, a, still, like, quite a memorable time in your life because you have, like, a newborn in Germany yeah. that you took to Germany. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, you're traveling all over Europe during that time because there was a period of time when you weren't coming back to the United States because we would periodically talk about doing shows or, hey, what, are you still going to do a show? Or do you, and yeah. uh, and um, yet you were all over different parts of Europe. So 
Who was your? How were you booking your own shows? Was there an agent? Or? I had an agent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was I was playing pretty consistently, like maybe two. I'd say like you know I, I was working during the week, so I was playing two right. or three times a month or so. Where would you go? What were your spots? Oh man, all so over? many, so many good spots. I think I went almost everywhere. But uh, my favorites, the like standouts are like uh, I always liked going to Estonia. Mm. And I've never been there. Oh man, it's the best. And uh, and I always had a really good time. I think I was like in the Netherlands every month. But oh cool. But that's like kind of you know like uh, like all the Benelux nations. Like that's like kind mm-hmm. of that was, that was your like the circuit. Um, I really liked going to Russia. I really like the East. Like how East far? Um, how how many different dates did you do in Russia? Mm, I played there four times now. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that, but I mean, were you uh, outside of Moscow and Saint Petersburg? Did you venture any other? Are there any other places to perform? I played in Sochi, and that was not a very good. Show, what, can, did please describe that, elaborate on that because I've never even heard of that that city. Oh, this is like this is where the Winter Olympics. Were. Oh, okay, my bad. Yes. So this was like pre, right before the Olympics. So they were building it all up, building up the village, and it was just like uh, it was kind of a ghost town when I went there. And I think I ended up I ended up playing a pretty random bar. With this dude, Apple Blim. Who's like I'm not a, familiar with him. He's like a pretty, you know, he's down with like Shackleton. Uh, he's kind of like a UK-based dude. Oh, okay. He's good. He's been around for a long time. Um, and it was also like a top 40 DJ. Huh, okay. And then there was also like a local kind of pop, power pop trio so it was just like and then james pants there's like let's you know these are the four music this is like the only place to play so they right. just kind of mashed together a show and it was it was pretty bad but it was fun it was memorable what's this so what's estonia like just for a sec how would you what's the vibe like there um is it just a great audience receptive audiences or yeah i mean for me like estonia so there's like here's the thing i really like russia i really like estonia and you know I first of all, let me. I just love these places. However, I have heard also reports, let's say, with uh, other dudes, like uh, especially like people of color, having a really tough time right. in Estonia and Russia. Like they can be apparently pretty racist. Well, I remember Mickey Blanco had some major issues in in Russia. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and very homophobic Steve's, too. Like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Spacek as well. I really, a bunch of stories. Um, so it, like, there's definitely that element to it. I. Uh, but with that said, for me, I had a great time. Uh, Estonia, like, for whatever reason, uh, oh, by the way, I'm not making a blanket judgment on Estonian people. I mean, there's like a million amazing people. I'm just saying, this. sure, it's like sure. they're less they're less accustomed to this. You know, it's a very homogenous society. These ones. Okay. Anyways, I digress. But um, so yeah, it's just like there's just certain places where I, you know, I'm like a. I'm a mu- I, I guess I would. I was never like a quote unquote successful musician in terms of like you know oh you know shit I made it like but I didn't necessarily want that. But well, you've same- always sort of been even though you're still a young musician right. so to speak you've always been a, a journeyman nonetheless. Right, right. Rambling, <laughs> completely rambling. A Rolling Stone type. <laughs> That's right. Uh, where was okay so right so like but when I would go to like Tallinn Estonia like the last time I played it was something there was like no joke I, there was no, I was the headliner and there, like 600 people came 
Really? And I was like signing autographs and stuff, and like the record store owner was like, "Yeah, oh, we sold sixty-five of your albums in the last, you know, like my new one." I was like, "Oh my I'm god!" Savage. Like, uh, uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. So I was just uh, no, no. This when was Savage? Savage is two thousand fifteen. That's your most recent. So yeah, I guess it would have been Savage. Um, and yeah, it's just great, man. Like it's like for whatever reason, there's like these oddball little spots that. I have some like pull that I don't have in other places. I never quite figured out why. Russia, at the shows, besides from Sochi, they've been packed. It's like, you know, maybe it's just because like people in the East are so excited when anybody comes through. Sure. But uh, at the same time, it's like, man, I, you know, like there's some dudes that are into like some pretty obscure stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed. You know, they'll have people like, you know, early on they were having like one of tricks out there, Dean right. Blunt, like. You know, his former girlfriend was Estonian or... Yeah, Inga. Yeah, so, you know, there's like... There's that little scene, and and I slotted in kind of well, nicely in Europe um, with... I really liked it there because I kind of fell in with, like, an interesting bunch of folks. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of been a a cool kind of arc of your career, too, in that, um, you know, having, you know, really essentially started your commercial releases on Stone's Throw and being a part of that... That that world and that kind of group grouping of artists, and as you've sort of gotten more, maybe more experimental with the music that you've done, and li- of course living in Europe too, you you sort of fell into this more experimental. I mean, I don't even that's not that's such a blanket statement, right? Right, too, right. But, right. but um, uh, yeah, you found this sort of lane that that yeah. you exists in a couple different places because of that. Yeah, exactly, and it's and it, strangely, like it's not. There's a lot of great stuff happening in music right now, I think, <coughs> contemporary stuff. Um, but I still think there's like a, there's a, there's something that's going on in Europe, uh, especially you know pl- clubs like, you know, the Salon in uh, Dusseldorf, or uh, Golden Poodle in Hamburg, <coughs> uh, or like Warham Institute in Rotterdam, or like these uh, are the spots, or like uh, Verm, or like um, the School in Amsterdam. Uh, there's just like some really fresh stuff that I'm I don't see in the U.S. And, yeah. Uh, so you know, there's still there's always room to grow everywhere. But uh, I think I think there's a lot of good stuff happening right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and they and they embrace you as well and consider you part of that community too. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I hope so. But uh, I mean, regardless of me, me or, like there's just a lot of good stuff happening. Right. You know, there's like a there's like a little I don't know what you would call this scene, but there's like some uh, there's there's a, yeah I'm rambling, but there's a lot of good stuff. But five years touring in Europe too. I mean, you will like you'll become immersed in that one way or another. And working at Red Bull, which is always like yeah. absorbing in the most contemporary electronic music and beat oriented right. stuff and, and hip hop and dance music but so. strangely like a lot of the stuff I'm still into is kind of like not even on that radar it's not like stuff where you know it's not like it's not stuff that people are like getting hyped about you know like in the same way it's not like in the normal press where you'll you know have Vice covering it or right. Noisy or you know whatever a million what, what, what are you feeling right now this isn't a question I ever ask anyone but I mean you're leading into that and last time I saw you we talked about I mean you were putting me up on stuff and we have obviously some uh, common uh, appreciation especially for Metro Zoo and Mike DC yeah. and, uh, and Ruben yeah. Slick and of course uh, Lofty 305 but right. um, yeah I mean you're up on stuff and that's kind of you've always been a great purveyor of 
obscure shit too. It's like the cram, you know, crammed records. I've been going through. They uh-huh. have this like series called Made to Measure, and I think they had like 35, 40 different releases on that. Um, so I'm just kind of going through that stuff. Uh, it's like mid '80s to mid '90s. You can't be planning this stuff up in here, though, right? I mean, you was just, uh, no. I mean, I don't. Here, I, I I don't care anymore. Like I I uh, you know I I still want to DJ. I haven't DJed in ages. I did. I DJed maybe I don't know ten times in Ger- in uh, Europe. Right. That was it. I was mostly doing like a live show. Right. Uh, so I've gotten like considerably worse as a DJ over the years, but in, but also like kind of I feel happier. Like you know like let's. I used to do all that. Like you know I started in what I started DJing pretty young, but then I started playing like kind of in that heyday of you know whatever Denmark Records and right. know, and uh, Gaslamp Killer was like really fresh uh, then as well. Everybody was like quick mixing. You yeah, know what I mean? Just dropping joints. Yeah, yeah, just boom, boom, boom. Especially like when Serato first came out. Like, I was just like, get to the next joint, drop yeah, it. Yeah, and uh, I, I really had a bad tendency for that for for many years. Especially what, play a couple seconds of the joint, or, or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, you just play like one verse, whatever. Right. Like, try to come up with some crazy mix, you know. Not mashup style, really, but just like, you know, let's mix whatever, like some 60s psych and then throw in some drum machine tune and, right, right. you know it's fun it's fun and it's uh, but I think maybe I just am getting old I don't know like especially when I moved to Europe people like not into that no they want to let it play out yeah right? you gotta let it play out and that's like on one level that was really hard for me to do at first the loft style like you put the record yeah. on and let all eight and a half minutes of it play. yeah I still can't go eight and a half minutes but you know, I can uh, I, I, a solid three. I can go a solid three, and you know, it, 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 it was really hard at first because I was used to you know, these kind of more showsmanship, I guess. Like, you know, like these DJ performances where people are watching you. That happened. That was like in the U.S. a lot. It's more know? of an American thing where you're up on a performance yeah. stage per se. Yeah. Whereas in Europe, it's like you're. It's a little more aimed towards DJing, I guess. Right. 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 Even the makeup of the venues. To a oh, totally. Yeah. And. Uh, so, so I used to feel really awkward in the U.S. if you're like, you know, well, I mixed the record, and uh, now I've got three minutes, so what, I don't know what to do, and people are looking at me. Right, you know, that's right. like the worst. It's really the worst. So I kind of got over that in Europe. I mean, people just do it. And uh, and so nowadays, like, you know, like, yeah, this cram stuff, you can play a few of them out, but it's like, it doesn't, you know, it's like, it's kind of, I just want to listen to albums these days. Like, I just want, I want to buy records and collect records and like throw on records at home where I can just like play the whole thing and I don't have to be like oh man it's only like one good you know it's like a drum break right. I used to buy records for like a drum break like, of course many like, many people did I know and then you have I a know. lot of then garbage like you have a lot of garbage that you never want to listen to right. so I like can't take that anymore so when did you start DJing you were you went to high school in Texas right yeah was it around this time or were you because I've also tried to figure out I don't understand your your origin story because yeah. a lot of people associate you with Spokane, Washington. Well, that was college. Well, it was a little trickier than that. Even. Okay, I I went. Uh, I was in high school in Spokane. Moved right before. So I, okay, so then I moved to Texas. Right. Okay. So I did high school in Spokane and Texas. Okay, split up high school Started between Spokane and, yeah. and Austin, Texas. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, started DJing in Spokane. Uh, really into like scratch pickles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like me and one other dude, and we just like scratched all day. So yeah, it was a group. You guys call it, consider yourself? A no, we battled each other. He lived on like the South Hill, and I lived on the North Side. 
And right. so we'd like get together and you know call each other out. You battled the crews from Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, he had way better gear than me though. He had like the twelve hundreds and like a he had the, the techniques mixer even through black and gold. So, what did you have, Gemini? I had Gemini and a Blue Dog mixer. Don't, but, uh, don't even know that one. Oh, you have Gemini turntables. I had Gemini turntables and a Blue Dog mixer. So this is a belt drive. So it's tough. No, to no, no, no. It was a direct drive. Oh, wow. Nice okay. But, uh, you know, it's like I was, I was mowing lawns for the money, and I just like couldn't wait any longer. I was like, oh, God, I can't. Oh, I need the turntable. <laughs> but... Uh, did you yeah. buy it there in town, or did you mail? Yeah, yeah. It was a. It was like a, it was like a guitar center type okay. place, pre guitar center. I don't remember what it's called, but uh, yeah. Then I moved to Texas, and I got kind of more into, um, like that. Like I, I, you know, I found some records that had some samples, like Grover Washington, right. And like then the, you know, Mr. Magic like, or something. Yeah, and then when you put that together, Black Moon, you're like, oh. Yeah. And then, so that got really into just like finding. I think that Black Moon album like really got a lot of young producers like seeking out the samples. And then if they were like looking at magazines too, like, you know, Phil Most Chill, of course, is like, uh, he had his column at World of Beats, I think. And then uh, Wax Poetics too. Wax Poetics. Yeah, on Wax Poetics, what year did they come out? Like 99, 2000? Something like that. Yeah, I think it was. No, it, was it was maybe a little like later. 2002 or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was tough back then, man. Like, uh, it was great. It was more fun. But, like, no, there was no, like, who sampled.com or anything like no, that. No, no, no. There was a website called The Breaks. Yes, I recall that. I printed that out in full. And I would, like, circle the ones I had and what I nice. needed. But it was just tough. You couldn't, like, sample these records ahead of time. I mean, sample as in, like, you can't just listen to a snippet of some French no, you have crazy to physically thing. find it and then hear so it. So that was like it was more fun. It kind of sucks nowadays, to be honest. Like, oh yeah, it totally sucks. sucks. So, uh, so in, what in Spokane were you guys watching the the videotapes? Did you have the scratch? Yeah, paper? I had the scratch like turntable TV. Stuff like nice. That. I had the T-shirts, all that. Uh, oh yeah. So you were full on. I was totally in. Yeah, yeah. How was your technique? What was it? It was, it was shit. reverse uh, crossfader or. I could do some orbits and flares, and you know everybody was all into the crab, right? But you I never, still have it I in never, you. I never. It's like it's like with my keyboard playing. I can only do it with my right hand, so that's like my fatal flaw. Oh right. Uh, so if anybody was going crazy with like beat juggling, and then so you can only actually scratch with your right hand, right? Or is well, it use the right, fader with right your right hand? hand. The fader, all right. right. Yeah, it's the opposite for me. I can't. You. I can only use the fader with my left hand. I cannot. I cannot touch a piece of vinyl or cut a piece of vinyl or barely with my yeah. left hand. It's all uh, right hand on the vinyl. Interesting. That's why I would have the turntables with the mixer on the left and the two turntables side by side on the uh, right because of you're one of those dudes. Yeah, the left hand yeah. was just like inept. In I remember these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I can I can touch the record with both hands. It's just crossfader only, and it's, I play mm-hmm. drums too, so it doesn't make any sense. But where did you pick that up? Drums uh, as a child before? Yeah, music? yeah, yeah. I was like, I got. I think my parents got me a drum set when I was really young, uh, and then I and then I, you know, I, I did it throughout school. Uh, oh, nice. You know, wind ensemble, jazz band, did marching you band, all that stuff. Playing drums? Yeah. Did you have a ba- Did you have like a garage band? Or oh yeah, yeah, band? yeah, yeah. We did a lot of like, you know, I was living. This was still. I was in Spokane uh, until like '98. I moved to Austin, but uh, what was were like, the bands like? 
Oh, we were like, you know, we were into we were into the Seattle stuff. Oh, of course, like, of course, uh, of course. Nirvana, Soundgarden, uh, Alice in Chains, uh, Radiohead to a degree. So it was, yeah, we did a lot of we did a lot of sludgy, grungy stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. But I like to make it a little funkier. Like I like to. I, I think I had some pretty fresh beats at the time because all these other guys just kind of wail on ride cymbals and stuff right. like that. Yeah, it's either coming maybe from, if not like a straight punk sensibility, then like classic rock or something like that. Yeah, I mean, so classic depending rock. Depending on how old they are. Classic rock was like, you, like we were all Led Zeppelin junkies. Right. Black Sabbath, Beatles. I mean, standard stuff. Right, know, right. But, but, and it's fun to actually go back nowadays and like, oh yeah, you know, like, like listen to some of that stuff. And it's like, oh, Jerry Cantrell is all right, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> funny how your tastes sort of circle back around oh, as totally. the years go by. It's it's crazy. I love it, though, because, uh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff I... You know, you get, you get like, all high-minded when you're, like, a younger, like, little... Dude, Definitely. You know, and it's like, oh, Grover Washington, oh, you know? It's like, you know, at first, Grover Washington's really cool when you buy his records, and later you just, like, you know, like, uh, get that out of here, please. But, uh... <laughs> But yeah. uh, now it's like I only really want to listen to Grover Washington. I don't want right. like, it's all great this music. rare, all this you know, a lot of the rare French stuff gets really obnoxious. Like, mm-hmm. like I just want smooth sax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very, very interesting, and I agree. Um, so Royal Zodiac was that 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 started in Spokane as well. That was your band at one point in time, mm. if I'm not mistaken. We did a tour with them. With ice, which was really dumb. No, that's okay. Well, I can even preface this a little longer and no, stretch good. this up. So, Royal Zodiac was, are these dudes that you grew up with too in Spokane? Like, cause this was a yeah. live band formation that you would in the in the early years of of Welcome, yeah, uh, era Stone Throw James Pants. Like, yeah, these are all guys like I knew from Spokane. Um, What's up with them? Are they still around? Still around? Are they yeah. still a band? No. Well, yeah, they are. I mean, like, one of the dudes, Beardo, he's like... That uh, was the big guy, right? He's the big guy. He's, like, still touring, like, with a bunch of different bands. Oh, cool. Cruise ships, all that stuff. Um, another cruise guy. ships? Is that yeah, he always, like... The does circuit? The, he does the cruise ship circuit. Oh, cool. Uh, the other guy's playing the salsa band. Um, the guy who played drums, um, he still makes really good stuff. Uh, and I think he's... Uh, He's a dad now, though. So he's there's some crazy. amazing videos on Vimeo. Like if you dig deep enough of your that seminal Stone Throw label European tour with <laughs> it was you, Dame Funk, yeah. Mayor Hawthorne, and Peanut Butter Wolf with Royal Zodiac. That was the beginning of the end, wasn't what? it? What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? No, no. Uh, I mean, was yeah. that the last? Uh, no, I mean that was um, you had. That same package had toured the U.S. Yeah. previous to that, right? Uh, I think actually Europe was first. Okay. And then the U.S. Yeah, that was good. So uh, really quick, um, I want to, let's take one step back just to talk about that, uh, getting that experience of being on that label, starting in that label, and your material there, if 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 we can take a, because that's how m- so many people are familiar with your music, especially from right. those first couple of albums, yeah. too. So and obviously there's the kind of well told story of how you met Wolf was in in Texas. You reached out to him to to uh, as a fan saying, "Hey, would you want to connect or something?" Right. Right. To dig records. Yeah, I was a big fan. I used to like tape his shows off of uh, Beta Lounge, like real audio player. Oh wow! Yeah. Right into the cassette deck. Where was that? Was that in sixty four kilobytes? 
Beta Lounge was in the Bay Area, though, yeah, right? They were yeah, in the Bay. When yeah. he was still living in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. My Vinyl uh, Weighs a Ton era Stone's Throw. New yeah. Groove Distribution That's era. Right. Exactly, New Groove. Yep. And uh, DJ Rectangle was also a New Groove. Yeah, DJ Rectangle. That was also the, the era Rectangle. of uh, um, the break record. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, The platinum selling uh, yeah. uh, duck breaks. Yeah, people were making a lot of money on break records. Oh, the break record industry at that time was was used to do it booming. Up but uh, yeah, no. He I listened to his radio show a few times on Dub Lab, and I didn't even really. I bought. I don't remember. I got his one of his records while I was shopping in Seattle, and I was like, "Wow, you know, this is like pretty heavy." I didn't really know my hip hop that well. Really? No. By that point, I fell into it. Like I totally right. fell into it backwards. I, like I fell into Stone's Throw first, and then like I mean, I knew like all oh, the and rediscovered stuff or. Oh yeah, like I mean, I I wasn't listening to Black Moon or anything at the time. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, no, no. I was like into really dumb stuff. I mean, I was still like really into you know. I was I was I was, you know, whatever. I was young, but uh, I got that record. I guess I was I was ninety eight, so I was sixteen. Right. And that kind of like that that record. I bought it on a whim. The name was hilarious. Yep. I knew one. I knew Super Duck Breaks from scratching. So right. I knew the label. But, uh, so scratching for you, it was more like the DJ thing. It was like being in. A, it was more of a performance. It was less coming from the hip hop kind of classic sense of the DJ, was it? Or cause it yeah, seems like well, I mean, I was like mostly playing drums at the time, but scratching got just really fun and addictive. I don't remember. It's exactly almost an why. extension of like the drum solo too. Yeah, really obnoxious drum solo. Right, but uh, yeah, I. I, anyways, I was like a fan, and I remember Pino Butterwolf was playing this uh, on this one show in particular. I used to tape them all. I used to tape a lot of the Beta Lounge shows, so I had a lot of random stuff. But, um, you know, he played this record um, that was like this 60s bubblegum pop. Hmm. And uh, the song was called Umbrellas, and it drove me nuts for like three years. Trying to find go it. to record stores and play it, and I found it on a completely out of the blue like in Spokane it's the free design so you know I'm a huge fan of them Um, but that was like early on I was like okay this is like the coolest label like this dude's playing some weird ass stuff in the middle of like you know this was like late 90s so it was still like more traditional you know hip hop for sure so to have like stuff like that thrown in was like okay you know Um, yeah Wolf was his selections have always been like way um, ahead of its time or just so informed from so many yeah like in many cases out of time you know like Mm -hmm. like he'll be I remember you remember this raw band messages from the stars I mean how can you forget I mean I worked with uh, worked with Dame for so many years so the story of that record is interesting because Wolf made a mix in 2003 I believe of all songs from 1983 okay and that was on there. All right. Up to the first chorus. He didn't play the chorus. Oh, we cut it before the chorus came in. The chorus. And uh, I had that taped as well. And that song was driving me nuts. I needed that song so bad. Uh, so I was just looking on eBay, like messages from the stars. That's the only thing. This one record came up, Raw Band. Right. I just took a total chance on it. It was like two ninety nine, but the shipping was like stupid high. It was that it was the full length or something, right? It was the twelve inch. Oh, okay. Um 
And I thought, this has to be it. This has to be it. 1983, it's called Messages from the Stars. That's the what they say on the song. So I got that record in like 2003 or 2004. And I was just playing it in Spokane or whatever. I think independently, like Wolf said, he played it but thought it was too cheesy in 2003. Mm. So that's why he cut the thing. But that song didn't really even take off until Dame started really playing that out. And then now it's like, you know, it's like washed out or whatever. It's still a sick song. Like, I'll never get it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's, it's just interesting because, like, Wolf just threw that on, like, out of the blue. Interesting. Well, you know, well before this, like, boogie revival or whatever. Right, right. And uh, it's, you know, that's, to me, that's, like, epitomized. Like, he'll be that, you know, like, it's not, people aren't even thinking to check for it yet. So it's like, you know, you look at his record collection, and you're like, this is either worth, you know, many, many millions or it's like <laughs> right. valueless because right, no right. one's even looking for it. Like I don't even know what this record is. Right, like, right. That's a that's a great story. I never realized he he had, was playing it then because it did it has taken a, a whole new life form. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two thousand three. Yeah. yeah, dope. Um, so falling into that, I mean, uh, so you interned at the label too. Like that right. was just for a brief period of time. Yeah, yeah. That was for a brief period of time. I, w- I was really focused on being a hip hop producer. Um, and I had some um, brushes with, you know, what? perceived like you know it's like oh you remember this rapper Diverse? Yeah, Diverse from Chicago, Chocolate yeah. Industries. So, like, yes, they hit me up about doing some, you know, beats and whatever. So I was like, I was feeling pretty good, but everything kind of fell apart. I didn't get the internship. I mean, I did get the internship at Stone's Throw, but I didn't get offered a job. Mm. I was hoping at the end of the day, wow, you're such a good worker. We're going to bring you on. I was trying to like work at Whole Foods in L.A. Mm. Didn't get any callbacks until basically I had like enough gas money to get me back to Spokane. Wow. And I lived in like a, moved into a friend's basement. And um, then I ended up getting a few callbacks from Whole Foods after that. <laughs> after you but, made it all the way back. But basically I quit. That This was like how it all happened. Like I, I knew Wolf. Uh, he wasn't even there during my internship. He was like touring the whole time. So really? Was, yeah, he was gone for like two or three months straight. This is what year? Two thousand three? Two thousand five. Okay, two thousand five. This is like Janu- This is like December, January, two thousand four, two thousand five. So this is like right after the 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 explosion of Mad Villain and J Lib, right? Yeah, Mad Villain. I don't even remember if J Lib had come out yet when I was there, but Mad Villain had just come out. Right. Quasimodo 2 was in the works. Yeah, so they're like a very busy period of time. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were doing really good stuff. Um, so it was like kind of magical for me to be there. But uh, so anyways, I pretty much gave up on music. I was working at a like a semi, you know, like a Whole Foods in Spokane, like a little... What was that nice, called? One of the uh, Huckleberries. It's <laughs> like, a, you know, one of these health... At the cashier, you yeah, it was a cashier. I was a cashier. I, I really wanted to get rotated into the vegetable, like the produce. That was like where the yeah. coolest dudes were, right? Uh, but I had to, you know, bide my time as a cashier. Anyways, so I just like had given up on music. I had a drum set, I had a little sampler, and I had uh, a couple, you know, mid '80s analog things that I found at thrift shops, mm-hmm. which is still possible in Spokane, by the way. Like, okay, you can still find synth starters in thrift shops. Um, well, isn't that where Donnie and Joe Emerson are from? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, because they, yeah. were, they were pretty early on the synth. Not yeah. to deviate, but... 
No, yeah. I met them. They're from like Fruit Fruitland, Washington. Yeah, they're like just farm boys. Outside. Yeah, it's like a farming community outside. Uh, my friend keeps finding that record. The original one. The original. Yeah. Oh, oh, there must be there must be heavy heavily populated in that in uh, I've never seen Eastern them. Washington. They're around, yeah. But uh, anyways, yeah. So I was I just literally, you know, it's like the it's like a it's a cliche really, but I just didn't really sorry I didn't uh, I wasn't really trying to make anything for anyone I was just kind of screwing around with like you know heavy reverb and one mic drums and keyboards and throw it all together and you know I was using acid nice yeah uh, great program rest in peace yeah and um, that that's really that's you know I, I, I hit it off with one of the Stones Throw dudes this guy Liger um, yes, Liger Vision. Liger Vision. And anyways, we were, I, w- he, I was sending him some stuff, uh, and I didn't know he was playing it for Wolf, and Wolf called me kind of out of the blue. and said, hey, Matt's been playing me some stuff. Like, I'm going to do a record. So it was, like, co- totally unexpected for me. This would become Welcome. Yeah, I sent him, like, a hundred, so- over a hundred songs huh. uh, for Welcome, and he, and he picked the album. Um, he narrowed it down. He did the sequence and all that stuff too. He did the sequence. I didn't really didn't have much to do with it, really. Like, and this is kind of this has kind of been the, my the downfall in a way. Um, it, you know, like I've been really like my dream was to put out a forty-five on Stone's Throw, uh, and I I maybe just set the bar too low. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but so because of that, I was like, they're like, oh, we want to do an album, and you know, so I would just be like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, let's do it. Uh, but I didn't really have, like, I didn't, like, say, you know, like, this is my concept and this is my idea and I want to do it like this. Right. I just kind of was like, cool. You There's a hundred songs. Yeah. And so, like, you know, like, Stone's Throw early on, um, and I think this was wise of them. They're like, how about this dude, Para, who does the artwork? I hadn't heard of Para, uh-huh. but, you know, he's like a hot, he was a hot designer. Still is, I guess, uh, in Amsterdam. Super nice guy. Um, and I'm glad I did because a lot of people were like attracted to the record because of that but at the same time it's like that's actually not really the vibe that um, you know I got really lumped in with all the there was just a whole bunch of acts around the time like, well it was like a, a new uh, chapter at the label too yeah because it was you know James Pants Dame Funk and Mayor Hawthorne right. all kind of came in around a yeah. similar period of time yeah. all very different but it was a it was a you know, one of many chapters that that label has had. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so there was like a, I think I was the first one actually. Yeah. Uh, that that was like a non hip hop. Mm, right. And I had think Gary come out yet? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Gary Wilson. He of might course. have. I don't think so though. I think I had rhythm. I don't remember though. I my I put out something in two thousand seven. Rhythm tracks, right? yeah. So rhythm, yeah. Did, but but the material for Welcome it was created before rhythm tracks. Or? E, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Wolf gave me a drum machine, and I, that's where I just made most of rhythm tracks. What kind of uh, drum machine was uh, that? Compu Rhythm CR seventy eight. Um, and oh no, not the seventy eight, the eight thousand. Sorry, the tan one, not the black one. Gotcha. Um, and uh, yeah, so but Welcome came out, um, and then you know I, I I ended up playing a lot of like uh, 
clubs. Yeah, and kind of this scene, and dem- you know, I played center space, and I played with, uh, you know, there was like a lot. Who, who am I? You know, Atrax brother, Chromio. Uh, Chromio. Uh, Atrax did a remix for me, right? You know, and then like I kind of took a step back. It was like all, I have nothing against any of those dudes. Like all cool stuff. It's like I'm not like that dude. Like I'm not a I'm not a club guy. Like uh, right. But the but the material on Welcome, I mean, like yeah. you know, it's. It's up tempo, sort of like, um, you know, like uh, outsider disco types. Yeah, stuff, I mean, there was like know? two or three like that. I don't know. Like, I, I was really into '80s boogie at the time because I could sure. afford it. Nobody was buying it. I think, you know, I, I think that's really why, why I hit it off with Dame and Wolf because sure. we we're all kind of into this stuff, and nobody else really, at least in the U.S., was messing with it right for the most part I mean there was like dudes with the P&P records and of course Patrick Adams Gary Davis disco purists yeah and it's a regional thing too so of course the New York DJs have their kind of take on it you know the Kenny Dopes and DJ Spinner the guys that have been doing it for a very long time but but the kind of stuff selector wise that was happening in LA specifically with with Wolf and 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 Damon and like uh, and you and uh, and like it was it's still and maybe even the sweater funk guys too right 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 um, it was yeah very new and uncharted territory I, I agree I which agree. has been now since mined greatly mind. but yeah yes yeah, you think it's ruined I I'm just like I do a radio show on NTS this is just an aside uh, which is my favorite radio station um, but I just am listening to everybody's shows and I'm like god dang it like, is it all boogie no, 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 not at all. Everyone's beyond boogie now. But my point is just like almost everything is mined. Like, mm, yeah, I am astounded by like how deep selections just like a normal average DJ has now. It's right. crazy. Well, and even on YouTube, you find one cool video, you hit that like you know mix list. Suddenly you have fifty. Like you know, right. like it's just like too easy. It's too easy. And yeah. uh, it kind of takes the fun out. So there's oh, still it takes a whole lot of fun out. I there's mean, still tons of records that nobody's heard of, but that that's like that's drying up fast. But what about genre wise? Do you think there's any genres that have yet to truly be touched upon that could have that could be interesting? No. When, what about people? Do you think people? <laughs> do you think people? Have, I've always been wondered if people will go as far as like the 30s and the 40s and shit. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, no one really touches that because it's so, like, I mean, unless it's the blues, maybe. I mean, yeah. like, big bands like I Big like Spider that. Beck. And shit I mean, like there that. are those dudes though. There's definitely like there was, um, there was a couple uh, kind of avant garde. Um, there was a lot of that in the '90s, actually. Like yeah. in the '90s, like uh, Schweitzer and Schweitzer, and then Tom Racchione in LA. Uh-huh. And, uh, he had a little hint of that. He had like an album called. I love my organ or something. And it's, Interesting. It's uh, it's really good. Um, yeah, I, I feel you. It's there's the I don't know. Who knows? Like I I like a lot of that, and I think there are there's there's hints here or there, but you know, right now everybody's kind of on the um, I would say like J-pop, uh, but but kind of the more ambient side, right? Mid eighties Japanese stuff. Yeah, that blew uh, up on on YouTube pretty hard too. Like the whole vaporwave shit and like those cassette labels. Yeah, that kind of instigated it. But Simpsons shit. What's the Simpsons stuff? Like the Simpsons videos, like slowed down. Oh, I don't know that. I haven't seen that. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like the whole 
it's like taking symptom, Simpson, uh, the Simpsons, re-editing it out of context, right. slowing it down, and it's like, you know, putting like a purple hue over it. Oh, okay, right. I've probably seen that. Yeah. Yeah. But with this music, there's like this kind of like slow prodding uh, right. ambient loops and shit. Well, there was, you know, I think nowadays, maybe we're veering off, but it's like, it's, uh, new, new Age is, um, you know, it's really, that's like been a thing for a while and so now now I think what you're seeing kind of like a marriage of like kind of the shoegazy pop mixed with ambient and that's kind of mixed with like some kind of Balearic vibe and that that's really like the trendiest music right now mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like what people are paying $200 you know $200 records and stuff like that well also Discogs create such a unfair playing field too because people can set their own prices and can gouge prices somehow I don't know like yeah I mean there's so many factors that being just one of them yeah I don't know I still sometimes fork it over just because I like have to have the record sure but uh, I've I've just kind of I tune out a little bit these days like just try to like go back to like the stuff that I already know that I may have slept on a song like the Grover Washingtons of the world or you know right. just like I, I really want to per- I, I did a couple of radio shows in NTS and I realized early on like it was, it was me and my was partner in Cologne and we were playing like really good obscure stuff and then I was just like everybody's playing good obscure stuff these days right. so like we just did a smooth jazz show yesterday um, of like is now is it like Private press, smooth jazz. Some, type of, it shit. Was, some of it was. It's a mix, though. Yeah, some of it was. Some of it was like standard, run of the mill. Right. I don't know. I just like. I I think that's like. Just that's that will never go out of style. Somebody's able, you know, the selector, like the dudes who who's who are you know who's able to put like a mega hit in context with like some private press thing. Uh, yeah, that's a feel like that's kind of a dying breed. Is yeah. a truly good selector yeah. that can. Program. And, that, and it's hard because you can really learn like all the obscure music from just a couple magazines, but you won't learn like that. Oh, Janet, ja-, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did like all this other, you know, like right. like oh, whatever. I'm rambling, but you know, it's it's like uh, it's that that will never go out of style. Dame Dame does a great job of that. He's pretty masterful at dipping in and out of when when it's when it works and when it's time to do something else for a little bit, and exactly. then kind of coming back to it, especially when you were into it when no one else was and then everyone else gets into it it's like you know you got to kind of you know veer off the off the that well-beaten path for a while and just take yeah. the side roads for a little bit exactly exactly um, it's been the story of my life right <laughs> are you are you working on any are you making music at all i know you're working full-time you got a yeah you got a, a budding family yeah. you, you live you know very far From away herbs yeah it's um, like totally new chapter of your life. Are you are you making stuff too, or do you have even time to do I it? I made a bench last week. And nice. I'm happy about that. I I've been from scratch. I'll be completely frank. Like I I've been making stuff, and I have a million sketches. I can't finish a damn song right now. Mm. It's like it's kind of getting depressing for me. Um, but you know, I have some new equipment coming for this upcoming tour. I have hoping I can play around a bit with that but uh you know I just I think I'm it's a I'm in a healthy mode where I'm just kind of like absorbing a lot of um you know just going back and listening to a lot of records and kind of getting in you know into it again I guess because when when you're really forced to do music as in 
I was working full time for a company that was only focused on music right. and playing on the weekends. It's really easy to get kind of like, and, and you know, burnt out on it. And now, sure. now that I'm taking more time away from like having anything to do with musical obligations, it's uh, it's making it a little more exciting to get back into it. Uh, and you know, I I think um, I've, I have a number of ideas for like a next project. Oh. But uh, I haven't been able to finish one <laughs> yet. Yeah, menus. It's just uh, notes and, and bits and yeah, ideas. Yeah, and yeah, shit, yeah. Right? I mean, it's just all like drums and stuff. But um, huh, cool. Um, are you dr- what do you use to program drums now? Well, I like use a microphone and like tambourine. And, yeah, uh, instruments, some glasses and stuff. I, I okay. don't have a drum set anymore. I sold my drum set when we came here. So you're just like. Yeah, and, yeah, and just kind of messing something. around with, Top yeah, man. yeah, and um, and I, I, you know, I really, I really have been obsessed with kind of like a, you know, really primitive, um, kind of hypnotic, trance-inducing uh, rhythms. Dope. So like a glorified drum circle, <laughs> you <laughs> know, but not in a. In, you know, like in a, in a not like, like a Burning Man way. Not in a Burning Man. Those guys aren't funky. Like I, you know, like not. It's not about funky. It's really hard to describe. But you know, just like this thing where you could just like throw the record on and like people turn into zombies. Like that's. So there's some element of rhythm involved. Oh, very much, and that's why I'm unable to finish it because it has to be like the perfect rhythm, and you really have to. I think I'm going to need to actually do it all live with like one or two other people. Oh, don't. Um, because it's like really hard to to pre-record, you know, stuff or like or like play on top of yourself. You're kind of missing like that energy in the moment. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole thing, I just want to be like not constant uh, energy. That's like my only focus right now. Yeah, I can do it, man. Uh, one more little thing I wanted to ask about yeah. before we wrap up, and, and we're, as we're here in the. Bloomberg conference room, like in the nerve center, yes, um, with Wolf Blitzer. It's uh, oh, you had a rap group in Austin. I just wanted to talk about your rap oh, yeah. group, your, your time as a you're a DJ and producer of this rap yeah. group, right? Yeah. And now this is like in the late '90s as well. Yes, late '90s. Yeah. With like, do you know Matt Sanzala? He's an Austin uh, uh, promoter player. But this maybe like then you were you, this is a high school thing, right? This was high school. Yeah, okay. we kept getting booked by this guy named. Doug, I don't remember. <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to McCallum High School. Nice. So Austin back then was obviously very different. It was great. Did you go to South by Southwest back then? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? Just really quickly. Well, I couldn't. I was too young to drink, so like we played so stood a outside. times, and we would have to like play, get escorted in, play the show, and then get leave. So what rooms know. did you play? Um, we played like we played. We opened for Hieroglyphics a couple times. Oh. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the... Was it Emos? No, it wasn't Emos. It was like a smaller... Uh, hieroglyphics, uh, DJ Z Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica Badu once. Didn't, she was like two acts later and we were long gone. You were first to uh, first four? Yeah. Uh, you know, Cool Keith. Uh, we just were like one of the... You know, there was like five opening rap groups and we were one of them. Um, what was the group called? It was called Ballistics with an X. So and you were the it was a three piece three piece yeah so. two two dudes one who's gone on to be like a you know mega scholar uh, the other dude's still still making really good, you know he's making he's still rapping down there um, so and 
yeah i was it was like kind of funny because it was like this is I, you know i i just was like totally i was i was pretty awkward i still am awkward you know but <laughs> i was like really awkward and these guys were like you know the real deal and I, you know it's just like <laughs> how did you guys meet through back <laughs> were you just <laughs> classmates or? uh one of them yeah one of them uh went to my school uh he was a year younger than me and he was like really active in the student body and held like a you know rap dj competition oh cool or there was a club i think that's what it was it was like a hip-hop after school club so mm-hmm. two djs you know some rappers a lot of southern rap style dudes sure. and then some like dancers and stuff and we would just kind of hang out in the cafeteria do you remember a lot of the MC, the regional MCs of that time? Yeah, that I hated it at the time, which is I'm like, why? You know, at the time I wasn't, I was, I was ignorant. But at the time, I was just like, you know, you know, whatever. Like, man, I'm coming down. Listen to my sound, man. I'm about to beat. You know, like, oh, this is the worst rap ever. You know, mm-hmm. and now it's like, God, this was there was some amazing stuff. Sure, <laughs> I remember this dude. There was a time when I was trying to make this documentary, and I was driving around the country making a movie about hip hop. And yeah. this is like ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah. And I went to San Antonio, and I filmed mm-hmm. a bunch with this guy, Mad One. I, don't know uh, I recognize that name. Yeah, and there was these two great radio DJs, The House of Fat Beats, which was like a popular yeah. radio show. And I remember San, that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that era was yeah. If you were listening to Black Moon and like listening to yeah. East Coast stuff, it was um, and there was it was difficult to kind of train your ear over to it Texas was, it was rap. Hard. It was hard. Like I, uh, you know, unless they had like a crazy sample. Right. A lot of times, the, a lot of the stuff was like just all on like some you know cheesy keyboard. Right. And I was like, I can't. I'm not ready for that. But, uh, you know, a lot, DJ Screw was huge at school. Oh, yes, and I was like, this is like, I, I just couldn't take it. And now it's like, I love all that stuff, you yeah. know. Uh, it aged, it actually while. aged quite well. It aged a hell of a lot better than a lot of, like, the 90s New York stuff, I'll just yeah. say. Like, I mean, a lot of, you know, it, it's got more, in a way, it's got more emotion. It's, le- it's maybe less, like, verbosity, but more, like, uh, it vibes, you know. Right. Um, and you know, I, I there's a lot of stuff from Dallas that I listen to. Um, the like Houston stuff. Uh, I remember Soldier Boy just came out right about right about when I graduated, wow. and uh, I, I remember I did like that one. Like it was infectious. But yeah, I mean, all those major cities in Texas too diff- had a different kind of flavor. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston was Austin didn't really have one, it but they came to 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 perform a lot. They came to perform a lot, yeah. But I mean, like Houston and Dallas were like the powerhouses, right? Uh, and they each had their own style a little bit. Um, but Austin was it, it definitely like we played a lot of shows, and I remember I just used to like rag on these dudes like you know this is like the worst mm. rap ever and shame it's like it's really sacrilegious like I, I mean again like I'm just you know this is the problem when you're young you just like you know, you know yeah you're, you're ignorant to it a little bit but I mean it was a different time different place different uh, time but I'm just like you know I was because there was a lot of kids that would sell like the mixtapes at sure. my school and uh, I'm just kind of kicking myself like I really wish I had but I wasn't ready you know I was like I was just like two years into this whole thing right I was just coming out of like, like I said, like Led Zeppelin and whatever, and so it's like, you know, you're very. I was very much of a purist at the time. Yeah, for sure. Very, very uh, close-minded. 
But well, uh, you're totally open now, and I and uh, I'm uh, free. I'm free. Yeah, and yeah. I um, well, I appreciate uh, you let me come to work and oh yeah, have this conversation. Yeah, next time we should talk about um, the where James Pants became very dark and. Uh, and oh, that was like the six 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 album. The, no, where James Pants stopped being commercially successful for all parties involved <laughs> and and uh, and the mistakes he's made along the way and uh, the lessons that can be learned from the youth at how to uh, properly uh, sell a record. Well, I mean, that's a lot of stuff right there. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could we could have we could have spent the whole time kind of overanalyzing yeah. your the arc of your career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Do you have any any regrets at all? Like, I mean, it's not like you're at the end of your no. Uh, line, you may be just starting anew. You know, Miles Davis had many uh, right. chapters in his career. No, I'm very happy with where I am now, honestly. I think what I did screw up that I do have regrets about is just not taking more ownership of, and I don't mean financially, like I never, you know, whatever. I'm just, I mean more ownership of like, this is my vision, this is what I want to do. I think I was so in awe of like even getting a chance to play out. You know, I was agreeing to all kinds of shows that were probably not the right ones. Uh, you know, people would, you know, let's do this kind of release or let's just throw this out. Uh, and I, I did it. And um, and so, so, like, in a way, I would try to retake back that territory with each subsequent record mm. and, like, kind of reel it back in and... Because of that, I feel like I just kind of like disappointed a lot of, uh, like I kept changing the vibe uh, every release, which I thought was cool, but like, you know, I guess I can understand that it would be hard to sell records like that. Yeah, um, sure. And, and you know, the period of time when you were, when you were uh, at doing these, an al- you were doing, a, uh, you know, an album each year from right. like 2007, 8, 9, yeah, yeah, 10. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, the you know the music industry was in a very certain kind of place. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Stone's Throw yeah. Two was in a was in its own kind of uh, state of of changing too. Like from from strictly like hip hop and traditional funk kind of reissues to a more you know yeah, yeah, yeah. E- eccentric kind of array of artists. But I I just look at artists like let's say James Ferraro or right. Dean Blunt, uh, who I both really really like their stuff consistently. And they're dudes who have been able to switch it up every record, um, and they also have kind of this singular vision that really kind of permeates everything they do, even like online, you know. Sure, I know. Whatever newsletter or email you get in the middle of the night from Dean Blunt or you know uh, Ferraro on Twitter or whatever, um, that I think that's highly effective, and I wish in a way. Uh, I had done a better job of just um, kind of insulating myself from all, you know, material desire, so to speak, or or just like the actual day to day of like, you know, you look at one route where it's like, you know, Owl Black or or dudes that are really kind of out there doing big shows. Right. And th- but there's also a lot of like corporate, you know, tie-ins and right. whatever, which is what you have to do. Sure. Uh, and then you kind of have this more. Um, you know, singular scene that 
obviously is not like going to make anyone much money, but it's like it's it's its own. You know, I wish I feel like I was kind of torn between the two. I was kind of slightly in both worlds. Yeah, well, that's for sure. I mean, I think you exist. You exist to, to fans, music listeners of both kind of yeah, worlds yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't and, think. And I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I wish I had done like a better job of like this is who I am. You know, but right. I was I was like figuring that out along the way. But uh, yeah, now I feel liberated. And but. you know, I think there is some kind of difference between say Hype Williams and what Dean Blunt is doing now. Sure, and sure. like, there was a state of uh, you know of maybe not mit- trial and error, but evolution too. Absolutely. And uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with James too, but James Ferrero. Um, yeah, but. I mean, you were able to kind of weave in and out of both worlds, which can be to an advantage of an artist, too. It uh, can be, but I think, like, all the relationships I've made along the years, like, have nothing to do with any of, like, the, you know, the actual business side of music. Uh, it's more, like, like minds. Uh, all the right. records I'm most proud of were the ones that didn't really, you know, like, well, let's say, like, some random 45 I did. Like, I'm really happy with these kind of things, these smaller right. little projects. And really, you know, I, I think I was talking, uh, uh, sorry, uh, um, this guy Dion, um, D apostrophe E-O-N, really good musician in Montreal, was like saying uh, that, you know, I, I saw him um, giving some advice on uh, Twitter to someone about uh, how to, you know, be a successful musician or whatever. And he was just recommending like a day job. Yeah. like doing music on the side because it's just it's increasingly difficult to like maintain your your vision uh, sure. as if you're also out there doing what you need to do to like you know play the can you know make money off of uh of uh to play the game especially stuff beyond touring like you know if, if you don't want to tour all year so uh you know i think i think now i'm in a place where where I, you know, I don't need to rely on music for any. There's no financial stress associated with music, right? And so you can kind of um, really focus on, like, you know, creating the very the, true the the, the vision uh, without any material, uh, you know. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of distract yourself to a certain level so that you can concentrate on that. You can you can come back from either working a job or or whatever it might be, and and uh, and then have a relatively clear slate to work from. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just remember days where it's like, you know, um, a promoter would pay you 30 days later and that would like ruin your life for the month you know what I mean <laughs> yes I do you'd like go to the show and they're like you're expecting to get money oh actually we're gonna get, we're paying you on uh, the next pay cycle you're like, what oh shit and then so it's like oh I gotta call up Rush Hour uh, guys do you want I'm making this new mixtape do you guys wanna buy it? you know it's just like yeah. oh, god this you sucks to hustle your wares <laughs> all over again yeah it's like uh, I don't miss that one bit so uh, I'm happy I'm happy happy to be back in the US for better or worse and uh, and you know happy to still be alive and uh, hopefully make a couple more records yeah well you absolutely should make a couple more records. yeah I mean I actually have so many unreleased songs that uh, a couple are coming out this year like nice. um, a couple of different like a 
friend's label and then uh, this other label out of Ireland. Um, gonna do some. Th- there's like a ton of. St- I gotta put out some of this stuff because it's just kind of yeah. Get it out of your system, so yeah, then yeah, you yeah. can then you can truly I mean, start I anew. I think I have like 600 unreleased songs right now, <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty bad. And you, and you'll do another chart toppers with Dame Funk, uh, the, yeah. the, the the infamous yeah. Tell, mix. Him, tell him to hurry up. I'm all like I'm ready. He's uh, okay. Taking a sweet time. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I will. It's going in the track selection. Yeah, yeah, we're doing another mix. Nice. And, uh, I hope that gets done in the first, you know, before it's right. Maybe like the high point of summer. Maybe that's what. It's a perfect time to put a mix out. It's really hot and sweaty, and yeah, so cool you off. Something to, something to ride to. Something to ride to. Right. Well, thanks so yeah. much, man. I appreciate thanks, your time. Appreciate it. The show. That was amazing. Uh, love that guy. Good dude. Good human being. James Pants. I want to thank him for being a part of the house list, being on the house list, and thank you guys for listening. I just marked your name off. You got plus 20 million on here, so bring everybody uh, you can and enjoy it. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on SoundCloud. It's also available on the Stitcher app, Google Play, and anywhere you can find good podcasts. As a reminder, want to let you know that James Pants will be touring in Australia uh, in April, 13th in Sydney at Frida's, the 14th of April, Friday in Melbourne at Innervanka, Perth on Saturday the 15th at The Bird, Sunday, April 16th in Adelaide at Ancient World. Make sure you pick up your tickets if you're in uh, Australia. Check it out. I've definitely seen a few people on the check-in here uh, that I can see that have been listening. So we got some people out in Australia. Shout out. Shout to my Kiwis in uh, New Zealand as well. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're in the New York area, as a warm-up, we're doing a show on April 8th in Brooklyn, New York at Sunnyvale. Yes, with James Pants, Lofty 305, myself, Little Jabba, on 1031 Grand Street, Brooklyn, New York. Come through April 8th. I'll be there. I'll be DJing. Um, also, like to send a shout out to CJ Stewart, who edits and engineers these episodes. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you like and subscribe it if you if you dig all that stuff. It goes a long way. I really appreciate it. This is um, always fun, but it is a little bit of work to get these off the ground. So just spread the word. Let people know about it. Send it off to somebody. You know, James has a wide-reaching fan base. Uh, so maybe if you know someone out there that, uh, especially out in Estonia or in Russia, you know, let them know about it. It, it would be greatly appreciated. For me, Peter Augustin, in the houseless to you. Have a great week, y'all. Take care. Be good to one another. And you know you'll always have a place on the house list. Peace, y'all.